At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. First of all, it's lights come on, the priests come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine to the From the Pink Seats podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Network. We're rolling on with our season preview series, looking at six of the Louisville football opponents from the 2021 schedule. The Cards' week three opponent is Central Florida of the AAC. Uh, This will be the first time these schools have met since uh, 2013, when Central Florida walked away with the 35-38 win, kept Louisville from what would have been the first undefeated season in our lifetime, Matt. And I'll, I will never forgive Blake Bortles and Storm Johnson for that one. It's a tough one. Last season, the Knights finished at <laughs> six and four. Their offseason was full of some big storylines, story including a coaching change. To talk about all of that, look at the week three matchup. We've, we're excited to bring in Brian Smith, who covers the Knights for Inside the Knights of Sports Illustrated. Brian, welcome into From the Pink Seats. How are you doing, man? Doing well. How about yourself? Hey, anytime we get to talk Friday football, we're we're in a good spot here. So I think I can speak for Matt and I that uh, we're doing okay. Doing okay. Yeah, this, this is peak foot, off-season football coverage, and it doesn't get any better than this. Absolutely. So for our audience, this is our second preview of the season. We've already looked at Ole Miss. Now to week three and with Central Florida. Brian, you see that these games true. scheduled 10 years out in advance and all of that, but this is coming off of peak Central Florida football, the Auburn uh, big win. Central Florida is at the height of kind of their peak here in this run. And you got to remember, Louisville's got a history with Central Florida. We just talked about it at the top of the show, 2013. Blake Bortles, Storm Johnson, they kept Louisville from potentially uh, a potential chance at a championship, quite frankly. Um, and so Louisville's got a little bit of revenge here. What do you think about that? I think that it's pretty cool that uh, a smaller conference has been able to do that. But Louisville is one of those schools that has waited forever. I grew up in Indiana, so I heard about Louisville all the time. That kind of sucks for them. But you know what? College football, that's why it's so awesome. You get that chance, you cannot let it slip through your fingers. And they did. They did. They did. So they did. It's, yeah, UCF had the opportunity, and they quite literally, literally and figuratively ran away with it. 
Yeah, Storm Johnson was pretty darn good. Yeah. So. Oh, I, oh, I know. I was in the stands that night. It's just, it's hard to forget <laughs> that one. But uh, anyways, uh, the big story for UCF centers around the whole coaching change. Josh Heupel ended up leaving UCF to go over to Tennessee. And then in turn, UCF brought on former Auburn coach Gus Malzahn. And so it's, it's kind of crazy how all that comes full circle. But how has the offseason gone up to this point? Because I feel like the main talk point has just been Malzahn, Malzahn, Malzahn. But what else has gone on this offseason that maybe those who aren't fine-tuned into UCF or AAC football uh, would not know? Well, there's a couple of key points. Number one, Gus has been very open with the media. He lets us around, whether it's camps or whatever, and he is on fire. Like, he is motivated. Nobody really wants to be fired from a job, and you can call it whatever you want at Auburn. He's ticked about it. That's my opinion. Just my opinion. I haven't, you know, it's not what he told me or anything. But you can tell, eyes on the prize. He is absolutely ready to go after it, and he's recruiting like crazy. And that's not necessarily his forte. I mean, he's always been a guy that wants to get players. But every kid I talk to talks about his energy, and it's the strength coach. And T. Will, you'll hear that name a lot. Travis Williams, the defensive coordinator he brought over, is the real big energy guy for them. And the, the entire group of players that I've been around, including Jalen Robinson, who's one of the best players in the country as a receiver, they all talk very glowingly. So it's just all levels. Now the question is, you know, it's year one. How well do you assimilate the talent they have? And they have quite a bit of skill talent. I mean, I'll get into that in a second. But with his scheme and with the quarterback, who doesn't fit perfectly with his philosophy. Because, Gus, he, you know, he's an offensive guy. So if that gets going, the rest will kind of take care of itself. But recruiting is going much better than I thought at this level. And the team has bought in 100%, which that's all you can really ask at this point. They haven't played right. games. So I mean, what else are you going to do? You lift, you run, you have some camps. Or kids. I mean, you know, you're waiting for fall camp. So it's an A so far in that regard. And he's been cool with everybody. Everybody's happy. There's been no incidents that I know of. Or, I mean – what can he do now? You know, it's just less news is better uh, in late July. And uh, Louisville fans, yeah. I'm sure, know that as well. It's yeah, at, at sure. every school. Yeah, certain yeah. somebody coaches can learn a like lesson it. on that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> well, no comments there. But um, coaches don't like it when their phone rings this time of year. <laughs> yeah, no. good, that's a good point. All right, so let's kind of take a, a – Thirty thousand foot view here of Central Florida, and, and look at what the program has been. Which I know, obviously, you've not been covering them um, the last couple of seasons, new to the role, but you know enough about what the last few seasons have been like under Josh Heupel, and obviously the success under Scott Frost prior. Uh, but what do you kind of envision? Uh, you know, the the difference being between Heupel as head coach and Malzahn as head coach. Uh, considering that Malzahn brings over, you know, uh, quite a successful run at Auburn that kind of ended stale, like you mentioned, but um, still has some real firepower in his coaching ability uh, and, and really has a chance to elevate Central Florida. The two things that I've noticed and, well, just from what I've been told as well, I don't, I don't know Hypo. I've never met the guy. I've talking, talked to with several players, people around the program and students, all different levels. And I've got very mediocre at best reviews about him as a personality. Like he didn't want to interact with the players much. He wanted to be more of a over the top CEO that delegated with kids at that age, that 17 to 21 year old age, man, that's tough. And he, he didn't recruit that well in central Florida, which ticked off a lot. He only got five players from Florida last year, um, which is, is very odd, but the guy could coach offense. 
They averaged 42 points a game last year, so you cannot knock. I mean, that's that is absolutely knocking people down. So um, just like we were talking before the before the show, like what they did to Georgia Tech to start off last year, that's coaching. First game of the year is hard to be on fire. They scored 49. So he could coach, but with Gus, the players are buying in, and it's because of him. He'll go talk to anybody. He doesn't care who the kid is. He wants them to be involved in the program and know him. It's a different personality. So I, I think that'll work better long-term, not only on the recruiting trail, but when kids are iffy about what's going on, if you feel comfortable, you can walk into a man's office and discuss your issues. And it's not just your position coach or your coordinator. It's the head guy. That's got to help. I've never seen it where it didn't. doesn't matter if it's Southern Cal, Notre Dame, Texas, West Virginia. People want to talk to other people that matter. And he has set a precedent with the media, with the players, with the other coaches, the administrative people, and it's done very well. So I feel comfortable that they're going to assimilate a staff that's going to stay because they all get along from what I can tell. And the program's going to build it. If you ever get a chance to go to UCF's campus, it's on the East side of Orlando. It is happy land. I mean, it's just beautiful. It's an incredible campus. It's not hard to get kids to go there. They've got 12 transfers coming in from Notre Dame and, all, and Missouri and different places. They're getting big time players to come in and now they're starting to get some of the recruits. So if you're going to beat them, you need to start doing it now, even though they have Dylan Gabriel, because I think their talent level, especially on defense, is going to go quite a bit higher than what it is this season. Yeah, when your home stadium is called the Bounce House, I'm sure the campus is a beautiful place. <laughs> it's, uh, look, it's, I don't know what's going on with that. That's just a corporate <laughs> sponsor thing. But uh, when I went to the campus for the first time, I was in awe. I was like, holy cow. There's a lot of money around that camp. I mean, a lot of money. And it's I, very attractive. So, I would hope so being in central, like in central Florida. I mean, obviously name perceived itself being in Orlando, that area. But anyways, I'm glad you mentioned that UCF Georgia Tech came because uh, like me, a lot of people were start were uh, turned on to uh, Dylan Gabriel as a player because not, not many coaches coming into a place inherit a QB who threw for over 3,500 yards, 32 touchdowns, single digit <laughs> interceptions and completed north of 60% of his passes. And that's exactly what Gus Malzahn is getting in rising junior Dylan Gabriel. So we, we saw what he can do. He had a couple pseudo primetime opportunities to showcase his talents, which he did a very good job of, especially in that game, early season game against Georgia Tech, where he just torched the jackets. But how good can Gabriel be in 2021? Is he, cap is he capable of becoming a first-round type talent or maybe even a top-ten pick? Well, that depends on the following. If you're a measurements guy, no. If you're a football guy, yes. He walked by me. I was at one of their football camps, and I, you know, I just wasn't paying attention. Watching kids run 40s, kid walks by me, and I go, "Oh, <laughs> that's." Still, I mean, he's just not a very big guy. I'm about five ten. He's my size. He's five ten, five eleven. You know, he's just not that big. He's a diminutive guy for a quarterback. Mm -hmm. But his accuracy, and from watching the film over and over and over, he can throw from the far hash and throw a ten yard out out to the outside uh, boundary and hit it not just like lob it but hit it his arm strength is better than what i thought it was and with talent that he has uh, you're going to hear the name jalen robinson on espn sports center a lot this year he uh he lit it up this past year and there's no reason to believe that he won't light it up again this season uh they've got another kid coming in from hawaii named titus i want to try to say his last name but they they've got some talent coming back they've got a kid named o'keefe who averaged 19.55 yards per reception last year. 
I mean, yeah, and he was their fourth option. So Jeez. I mean, they, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's a good sign. They need a bigger receiver to to make things happen. And before you even ask, you know, who's the newer guys, whatever, Jordan Johnson that transferred in from Notre Dame, they're very high on. Uh, he didn't do so well off the field at Notre Dame. That's that's a different deal. And he's down here. He is a mid-sized, a slightly bigger body, and with really good hands, can be a great possession guy. You put him next to Robinson and O'Keefe, who are you doubling? You better have a pass rush. And I mean with four. If you don't have dudes mm. that are going to get drafted, you're in deep crap because it's going to be 40 points on the board in the discussion. They, they are going to light you up. And then they've got a running back named Ventavious Thompson. Uh, he, he's really talented. He's had to wait his turn. He averaged over five yards a carry, but he's going to be a senior this fall. And then they got one of the studs that Auburn recruited at running back for whatever reason. I, I don't know any of the details. Is transferred over too, and he was, you know, he had twenty-five offers. He may not even start. So offensively, they're they're good to go. I I need to see what happens up front. I want to see that with my own two eyes. They've got a couple of guys that I've been told, Cole, Cole Schneider, he's a guy. He's arguably the best interior offensive lineman in, in their conference, and I I think he's got a chance to play on Sundays. Uh, but the other thing is, how do you do that in the system? Does he fit the system? Does he fit the system? On well, O-line, it's five guys, and he's just one of. And the other guy that gets a lot of, lot of chances to get some looks from the NFL is named Jackson. He's 335 pounds. He's kind of an SEC big guy. But in this week, I'm curious to see what he's going to do because Gus runs what I like to call the power zone and the power read option. Everything is based off the zone on the inside, if you're diving your safeties down, I know I'm getting technical, but if you're diving your safeties in linebacker, hey, I, I love it. Love Get it. technical. This is the place to do it. Let's do um, it. I mean, if you want to throw those blitzes and things, Dylan's saying, please. So <laughs> I mean, ask Georgia Tech. You yeah. cannot, you, you have to allow five yards to carry and strip the football. That's what every defensive coordinator wants to do, just eat their own hand hearing that. But there are very few teams that can rush four or play five slash six in the box and stop guys. When you got Jackson, who's 335 pounds at tackle, you're probably not going to win a lot of one-on-one -on -one battles with them. And then they've got a big experienced running back rotating with another big experienced running back. They have some speed guys they can bring into, and then they'll throw it to J1 over the top. J1 can fly. So – it's going to be interesting there. Defensively, I have a lot of questions, but they have guys in the front seven. But here, here's the state. If you like stats, UCF fans are going to moan about this, but this, this one cannot be ignored. I'm a CFB stats guy. If you look that site up, they have a thing on plays given up, you know, 10 yards, 20 yards, et cetera. 127 teams last season played college football due to COVID. There's more than that, but there are 127. 10 yards or more, UCF was dead last. But here it gets worse. That's dead last, and they had DBs that went to the NFL, including a second-round pick. So, yeah, th th that doesn't mesh. Something was really awry. And from what I'm told, it made my head about explode. I won't even say his name, even though I know he is. He gets more credit than he deserves. Uh, I, I think he's a terrible coach. They were I was going to say, when you have DBs going to the league and your defense gives up that many chunk plays, that's not a player issue. That's a schematic issue. 
they wanted everybody to have multiple positions. Uh, this is college. This is not the National Football League. This is not the New York Giants with Bill Parcells circa 1990 and Lawrence Taylor's coming off the edge. Thank you, but no thank you. Please simplify it. Spread offenses will annihilate you if you even hesitate for a second. They have all the advantages anyway with the read option, three yards beyond the line of scrimmage that linemen can play with, screwing around with the heads of the linebackers and safeties. So let's make it more complex. So, you know, that I just, please, for the love of God, just keep it simple, rush the guys, and get after it. And uh, that's also where the one point that I will make about the defense before, and I'm an organic guy, like I'm going to go to fall camp, and I'm going to watch. Then I'll come back on with you guys, and I'll give you a better report about it. But when you walk onto the field or when you – if you get a chance to see UCF this fall and the TV comes on, they're going to – I guarantee you, every time ESPN does something, they're going to talk about this guy. Big Cat Bryant. He transferred over from Auburn. I remember him, yep. When he walks into the room – You notice. It's different. You Those kind him. of guys don't play in this conference, and that's just reality. Do you do you call him Cat? Do you call him Big Big Cat BK? What's the what's the first name that you go with when you talk to him? I haven't met him yet, but I'm going to go with whatever he desires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I can I imagine would, that. Yeah, wouldn't want to mess with anybody named Big Cat. If we're being perfectly honest here, look, no. it is what it is, bro. He's he's from Cordell Chris County High School in South Georgia. That's that's a program that within itself. I'm a recruiting nut. Uh, that's one of those programs that deserves credit. It's right off I-75 in South Georgia, a bunch of cow pastures and football fields. That's what they got. So, I mean, he that's all he's known. He was a national recruit. He didn't quite live up to the billing or sacks at Auburn. He'd get about three or so a year. Of course, every tackle you go up against in that league is going to get an invite. I mean, to start. Yeah. I mean, that's just reality. Um, but he was still second-team All-SEC, and he didn't achieve his level of ability so what's that tell you now he's going to be playing against guys not as good he could have 10 12 sacks this year would not surprise me and they've got a couple other linebackers that can really run a couple other edge guys that can run i'm just worried about the secondary they had three freshmen last year play a ton one of them started every game which is cool you got experience but obviously he was getting torched too again they were dead last at 10 yards or more dead last that's partially scheme and, you know, that's great and all that they played freshmen, but you still got to prove something now. They brought in some guy. They just got a guy transferred in from Missouri. I watched some of his film super long. And he's from Apopka, Florida, which is five seconds from Orlando. Mm -hmm. So he's coming home. Um, they've got guys. Now can you put them together? And, again, I want to see fall camp before I really comment further on that. Sure. Let's talk a little bit more about the offense before we just kind of uh, zoom out a little bit here on Central Florida. You, you, we talked a lot about Gabriel, and obviously that's kind of the draw with Central Florida this year. Um, but that offense, man, it, it, you mentioned it earlier, super high-powered, eighth in scoring oh, yeah. offense, fourth in passing oh, yeah. offense. The statistics jump off at you uh, for a team that's six and four. Uh, some Some really, really good offense being played there. Um, in your opinion, is 2021, they got the chance to be better overall with uh, Gabriel coming back, a veteran offensive line. You mentioned some of the weapons. Are they going to be better overall? I think offensively they will be better because they will be more balanced. Um, they lost two good running backs, but neither of them was a big guy. Uh, the kid I mentioned a minute ago, Thompson, the running back, he's give or take 200 pounds. They've got a couple other running backs coming in. they got a kid coming in from Northwestern. They've got a kid coming in from Auburn that's really talented, et cetera. 
they're going to have players, and Gus will force feed the ball. He's going to run behind Jackson. He's three again, three hundred thirty-five pounds. That never goes out of style. They're going to try to be in second and six and second and five. And when you have a quarterback with the cerebral abilities that Gil, Dylan Gabriel does, that's going to change things. You're not going to play as many schemes and games with him. That's I watched about half to three quarters of the Temple game. This is the first one I found on YouTube. And when they they were getting torched through, I mean, they just they came out and they laid an egg early, so they started playing some games. And then he picked it back up again. You can't do that with him. You have to mix it constantly. You can't do one thing. Every play has to be something different. He has an NFL mind. And to answer the question earlier, he's, in my opinion, he's a late first round, early second round pick. And I know he's not a big guy, but it's because of the shoulders to the top of the head, not the left arm. And he's a lefty for those who don't know. He is going to make you pay. If you show early and declare blitz or display, or oh, we're just playing cover three here, he's going to kill you underneath. Whatever it is, and with their skill guys, they'll get extra yards too, by the way. That offense will explode. The only question, and again, it kind of goes to the same thing I said about defense, I want to see the offensive line. They're going to be a power downhill team. That is not what they did last year. They ran some basic zone stuff. Gus will demand a little more, just pure physical nature. How's that work? I don't know. But uh, size is not a problem, and they've got plenty of running backs. And again, if you're in second six or second five with Dylan, that's that's a hard place to be in for a defensive coordinator because he's going to shred most defenses at that point. So I was going to ask you what UCF's biggest weakness is, but kind of deducing from what you've already said, it seems to be like the defense and specifically the secondary is probably their uh, – the It has to be, yeah. So – how, instead of just asking like what the biggest weakness is, obviously it's 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 that. Uh, how how do the, the the DBs on the roster now? How have they looked from last season to this season? And can they possibly overcome deficiencies from the coaching room? Well, uh, <laughs> kind of like we were talking about before we came on. How can you do worse? That's just I'm a numbers guy. You're dead last in big plays given up. So they're going to improve. Secondly, they have a lot of young talent that's long. They've got a couple of young corners that are six foot one. That helps. They've got a corner coming in that's six foot one. Travis, who also goes by T-Will, uh, Travis Williams, the defensive coordinator. He's going to throw different things at you. He runs a hybrid defense. He'll run some three, three, five or four, two, five or whatever. But he's not going to be as complex as the last group. And he's going to let some of his talent do things. Plus, here, here's a huge factor. Last season, one of their key players set out for COVID. Okay, and it's not just anything. Think about the difference, just, just hypothetically here. When I say the following schools, what position or position group did they recruit definitively better than everybody else? Alabama, Texas, Georgia, Florida, Florida State, Miami, defensive linemen. When UCF gets an NFL yep, guy. The, the people in the trenches, yep. You can't lose him. Well, one of them said, you know what? I'm going to sit out this year. And, and he's a 285-pound guy that can rush the pass. That can't happen at UCF. You know what I mean? That, that's, you know, I'll, I'll pull it up here in a sec. But when you lose that, and then you're, you're in a situation, you're super young in the secondary. Besides, they had one guy that ended up being a second-round pick. He, he's very talented. But they had a couple other guys that got caught on. They just got burned with inexperience, and then the scheme was too complex. However, when you put Big Cat, back to him, on the edge, 
you have a couple of guys, Traymond Brass coming off the edge, who's a very good player, underrated as all get out. On the other side, can't double them both. They have more talent, more experience at corner. You've got a chance now. And then here's, here's the real important thing. They've got a guy named Cam Good who played pretty well last year at D-Tackle, but he was definitively like the guy. You knew who he was. You're going to double him. Okay. Well, now you got him and you got the guy coming back, and it's Kalia Davis. Kalia Davis. He's as good, if not better. Now you have four guys up front that are going to be on Sundays, at least at an NFL draft camp or whatever, something. If you can put, I don't care what league it is, if you put four guys like that down, especially in the AAC, you're going to wreak some havoc. Now, they'll cause problems for Louisville, too, and Louisville will probably be the most talented offense they face balance-wise. I don't know about an individual player or whatever, but they'll make Louisville look at things differently, and the people that are coming into Louisville to sit in the seats are, are going to be surprised at how much athleticism the front seven for the Knights possesses. So do yeah. they run a base 4-3? Is that what I'm hearing, or is it a 3-4? Or is it kind they, of just flex? It's going to be a hybrid. I, you know what? It, I was talking to my buddy about this the other day. He, he runs the Notre Dame site, Brian Driscoll. We were talking about different things in regards to 335, They're almost interchangeable. And he talked about one of his podcasts. You can do different things with it, but it really depends on who you're playing. If you're not multiple in today's era and these offense, like, yet yeah, let Dylan Gabriel know exactly what you're going to do and give him a week to prepare. How well is that going to go? You know, a certain guy that played at Louisville four or five years ago, when he knew what was coming, <laughs> boy, that was fu- was fun for Sports Center. It was fun for us watching the games. I oh, watched yeah. all of them. I remember turning around the Florida State game going, what in the world is going on? It was like 63 to 7 or something. I'm like, this is unreal. But I knew at that point, okay, the offenses are just killing these defense. You have to do things differently. Just running 4-3, big head knocker in the middle doesn't. And Travis Williams – really covet speed he might have an outside linebacker at any point in time even in the four three like a traditional he might be a six one 200 pound guy because he wants guys that can cover he he will give you a little underneath but he's not going to let you kill him in the passing game that's what i know from just being around him a little bit and talking to people and the way he's recruiting speed 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 uh louisville just as an example recruits georgia and florida heavy they have to there's just not enough players kentucky indiana area well, Travis, that's where he's recruited forever. He's from Georgia. He's recruited in Alabama, and he's seen these schemes. He knows what he's doing. I'm really curious to see how he mixes and matches because he's got more pawns to play on his chessboard than most people in this league. Uh, and Big Cat is not a pawn. That, that's – you can call it whatever you want. But 6'5", 255 running, you know, with the, with the receivers and tight ends, that's a good thing to have on your edge. So he has a different kind of player on that edge too. So – if the front seven does what I think, the DBs may not be great, but they could still be a top three defense in this league pretty quickly. So just as a real quick follow-up, sorry to cut you off, Jacob, but obviously the way that we've talked up to this point, it sounds like this week three matchup has the makings of an absolute barn burner, shootout, whatever idiom oh, sure. you want to use. Do you think that UCF's defense, maybe at that point, if it was the end of the year, maybe they'd, they'd be more – they they know they'd be more prepared to handle a shootout, but oh. you think week three their defense will be able to hold up their end of the bargain? That is a great question. And if the game was played in week eight, I would take UCF in a heartbeat because I'll take Dilbert in a shootout every time. I'm not a huge Cunningham guy, um, but he's he's had his moments. 
He's just not as consistent as I would like. But Louisville has guys on defense that are underrated, much like UCF does. Traymon Brass, the guy for defensive end for, for UCF, nobody talks about it. You watch his film, he's going to play and make some money. It, it's going to happen. He's going to get paid at some point. Louisville has some guys like that too. The question is with the new scheme coming in, and this is Travis being a first-year defense coordinator. First year. This is the first time he's playing on the road at a Power 5 school as the defense coordinator. I think it'll honestly be as much about how Travis Williams handles adversity. A guy has a busted coverage. It's going to happen. A guy for Louisville makes a one-handed catch. It's, they've always got receivers. It's going to happen. How do they adjust? Dylan's going to get 31. If the defense does its job, he can get 38 or 45 because he gets more possessions. You don't want to give Dylan more possessions if you're Louisville. So, I mean, that, that's – look, I don't care which – if they play at – if they played at Alabama this year, I would be shocked if they didn't score 28 points. That's how good he is. But, now, again, UCF has a ton of skill talent. It's just, just kind of how it works. But you got to stop somebody. And last year they were atrocious at doing that. So you got to prove it to me and prove it to your coaches and everything. Gelling by game three, yeah, that's that's a tall order. It's a really good question because not many teams do that. You're exactly right. I mean, Louisville has seen what uh, – Louisville fans are very familiar, I should say, with a high-powered offense and a defense that can't quite keep up. I think we've kind of lived in that for the last, what, Matt, <laughs> 10 years, it feels like? I mean, yeah, maybe even with, longer. With a brief stoppage during the Charlie Strong era where it was more of a defensive focus, but even even during those years, they still had a pretty pretty solid offense with Teddy Bridgewater at the helm. But yeah, it was absolutely. still known as a defensive a defense team. They, they had a probably a top 20 – defense for how many years charlie was there but in between him it was just offense 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 all right so here as i kind of listen to you brian talk about central florida i gotta tell you man i came into just the off season really kind of excited about this game but feeling pretty good about louisville i'm not gonna lie to you i've kind of taken a step back here and maybe kind of seen a little bit more that potential to a, a loss here against central florida but what i really hear oh. is you you got to be careful with your blitzing. You've got to be careful with how you disguise, how you how you set that up pre-snap. Yes. Uh, Louisville loves to blitz. Matt, am I am I right about that? Mm. Brian Brown loves to send a, a couple mm. extra defenders. He loves to hide those defenders um, and send them it, from it some took, really weird places. I will say this: it took them a little bit of time to really incorporate their blitzes properly because in the first half of the season, they. They didn't blitz that often. They they were actually really bad about just sending three guys. So Brian, when you said that you, you if you're facing UCF, you got to send four. I was just like, oh, oh Lord, this doesn't sound good, all right? But then I remember that the defense they they took a, a huge second half turn and they were starting to get better with disguising blitzes. Of course, it was heavily aided by the play of the secondary, which I mean, I would. It's, it is what it is, but there's still a lot of questions going into this year about the defensive line play, not so much the front seven as a whole, because they've got a really solid linebacker core with the, the inside linebackers, the outside backers, that whole room that is, there's some quality talent there, but when you get to the actual defensive line, there's some playmakers there. Now they did get a, a quality transfer in from Southern Miss shock Turner, who was, I think, conf either conference defensive player of the year or all first team, all oh, conference USA. That's what it was. Yeah. So he'll be able to plug up the hole in the middle, which they they have desperately needed for a couple seasons now because Jared Goldwire, he he was good, but not great. And he didn't really help with some of the pressure created up the middle, which Louisville's been terrible in that department the last two years. 
They have. All right. And then the other thing, uh, when we look at the other side of the football, Louisville's offensive line has struggled in the first two years with bigger, heavier defensive lines. Kentucky is a great example of that. Guys that are big, like you're talking SEC guys. You talk about Big Cat Bryant, guys that are 6'5", 285, 300 pounds. Louisville has really struggled to handle that. So I kind of look at this game and I see a real opportunity for Central Florida. I think we're headed for a shootout here. But if you look at Louisville's defense, uh, they, they were significantly better last year I, I mean the the defense uh, the secondary finish in the sure. top 20 and pass defense um, there was really some some issues there uh, with creating turnovers most quite frankly hanging on to interceptions um, and and getting to the quarterback I joke about this all the time our audience is going to uh, be tired of me saying this but Louisville led the country and almost got him last year right at the quarterback's feet can't make the sack so this year I, I really do expect a lot more from Louisville um, and they they really are going to I think really going to be locked in at the beginning of the season so my question to you is what does Louisville have to do defensively to slow down Central Florida enough to win that football game it's pretty simple, and it's an old uh, idiom. You've got to tackle well in space. Dylan is going to throw bubbles and hitches. Um, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, and I know you said that their defense coordinator likes to blitz. I will bet you right now, and I don't know anything about the Louisville defense, that the early portion of that game will be off. They're going to see what they can do. They don't want Dylan to get a, get a whole shot and put six on the board, but when you've got three, possibly four receivers that are going to get paid in some capacity, I mean, at least make the league for a year or two. You better tackle well. And Dylan can run some, too. He had a few touchdown runs. He, he's mobile. I just don't think they're going to put him in harm's way very much. Gus will, before anybody asks, will run some read options and stuff this year, but it'll be more goal line oriented or special situations. Then Tavius Thompson will take the load, I think, early on. Louisville is going to have to stop it. It's very boring, but a hitch pass, can't miss. A quick slant, can't miss. That's it. I mean, they have to tackle well and not be forced to blitz. Because once they start blitzing, it won't work. I'm telling Matt, you now. It ain't Matt, work. Has, has Louisville tackled well, in your opinion, recently? In the second half, they did. In the Brian, first half, Brian, not the, that well. That's the my more, dog. The, the more you talk, Brian, the more I hear a lot of a concern because – Quite frankly, you say you don't know much about Louisville's defense. I'll tell you, a real good way to explain it is they're not very good at tackling in space. Uh-oh. <laughs> You're right. It's I, one of those... UCF isn't either. So, it's, yeah, so it'll, there's going to be a lot of ugly football. But it, it does, you know, raise the the level of uh, – uh, you know, execution that Louisville has to come with because you're not talking about Central Florida. Uh, you know, maybe you, you play another AAC school that doesn't have the talent of Central Florida. Central talent, Florida is walking in with an NFL quarterback. You talked about the skill position, SEC transfers. This isn't just some, you know, some uh, Joe Schmo from the mid-majors. This is a legit program that uh, Louisville is going to have a real battle on their hands with. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. Um, they better be ready to play. Don't let the moniker of non-power five, G five, or what I'm sure UCF's like, go ahead. Cause it'll be 21 to seven going into the second quarter. If they do that, you know what I mean? That's sure. I mean, you just cannot take it easy. Memphis, Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati. Those four programs are really not G five. They've got yeah. now the AAC in the last few years has developed into a pretty solid football conference, especially with you know it's it's gotten really top heavy, like you said, with Memphis, Cincinnati, right. UCF, Houston for a couple of years. They're 
whenever you talk about group of five, you almost have to kind of put the American to the side and kind of put them in between power five and Absolutely. group of five. And honestly, you could probably put a few uh, American programs or even some group of five programs in general above some power five schools like a Kansas state or a Vanderbilt or something like that. How much do you think G, uh, some of these G five schools would score against Vanderbilt last year? Oof. Yeah. Been ugly. I mean, yeah, they're, the bottom of the yeah. SEC, the bottom of the Big Ten, et cetera, it may be Power Five. They're not very good. No. So they're just not. All right. Let, let's, the, the last question we have here, we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, let's look specifically at this game and try to envision yourself as a writer heading into week three. I know that's tough because a lot's going to change between now and sure. then. But um, as you're writing this in your head and you're thinking about this from a Central Florida standpoint, whether that be schedule, how you expect those first uh, two games to shake out of the season, whether it's uh, kind of a narrative on Gus Malzone or the opportunity to play a, a big ACC school, what's the biggest storyline entering the game week three for Central Florida? Um, and then the second part of this question, who needs this game more in your opinion? Is it Central Florida or is it Louisville? Uh, first part of it, uh, the storyline is going to be what we just discussed last, the defenses. Which defense plays better will be the team that most likely wins. Uh, of course, there's always a chance of a punt block or something changes the game. But otherwise, outside of that rare play, the defense that plays better is going to win. So, again, Travis Williams and the defense for UCF, they need to stay 27 points or less, give or take. And that's hard on the road. Game three, your first-time defense corner, first game, at a Power 5 school, but he's coached in the SEC at Auburn. No school traditionally plays a harder schedule because they have LSU, Alabama, and Georgia every single year. I mean, that's just not fun. Good luck. So, I mean, they're literally the only school that has all three of those every single year. That's three out of the top ten programs in the country. So that's not easy. He's used to seeing big games. But can he get his kids in game three to be ready? You know, Louisville, that, that's a really loud stadium from what I know. I've been there. It's a loud stadium. There'll be some, you know, it's UCF, but when Dylan Gabriel's stats pop up all week in the newspapers and stuff, they're going to the fans are going to be hyped. The kids, the students will be. If they don't come out and play well early, Louisville has a really good chance to get a lead and keep Dylan on the sidelines. It's on UCF's defense. Um, beyond that, I mean – I already forgot what you said. Your second, your second part who, of the question. In your opinion, who needs it more? I know this isn't a rivalry. Uh, this isn't. It's a. It's a weird. I don't want to even call it weird, but it's. It's a big interconference matchup, or, or however you want to phrase. That's not the right word there, but uh, you know, it's two teams that rarely ever see each other. Big game, big atmosphere. Like mm -hmm. you said, Louisville fans have. Um, a, a lot of noise to bring. And this is a game that, quite frankly, Louisville fans have been kind of looking forward to since it was scheduled 25 years ago, it feels like. Um, so I think that there, you, you're right. There's going to be some, some elements of the crowd there. But uh, to go back to the question, who needs it more? I mean, I know it's early, uh, but there's different reasons why one school or the other needs that win more than the, the other program. I would say Louisville because their head coach, who I, I really respect, he's a good football coach. He's not in year one. He's at home. And he's power five. So I'll say Louisville from a perception standpoint. And believe me, we all know that's what this is. We're in media. How bad is it? Like it, what, hypothetically, they lose by 10 at home to a non-power five school. That is not going to sit well with people. They're not going to care that Dylan's going to get drafted. The boosters are not going to like it. The AD's phone, phone's not going to be getting phone messages that are good. 
I'll go with him. It's Malzahn's first year at UCF. So while it's not a pass because you have Dylan Gabriel, it's still year one, your first game. It's the only game I think they play power five this year, and it's at Louisville. So it will be interesting to see how they do, but I don't think he's going to be measured the same as what Louisville is. So slight, slightly more difficult for the cards. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. You talk about the, the coaching side of things, and this is something really interesting to kind of give you some foreshadowing on. Uh, Ole Miss week one for Louisville football, really important game. It's been a weird offseason here. We kind of talked about that before we started. Louisville fans are all over the place with their support of the, the Scott Satterfield regime and just what they kind of expect in the future. You go to week three, Matt, and that game doesn't go as you expect. Your A lot of fans' eyebrows are going to start to raise a little bit Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of having some questions, you, you know, quite frankly, Brian, uh, Central Florida is, you know, is a school that when you talk about them, they don't come with the same allure as a ACC school, as a Big 12 school. Right. Uh, so there's that stigma in Louisville's, you know, Louisville's struggled, quite frankly, with the Houston's and the, the other, you know, AAC programs of the world over the years. But week three is really interesting because some uh, Matt, tell me if I'm wrong here. The tides can turn pretty quickly if those first three weeks don't go well. <laughs> no, th- this this game ha- has potential to have huge repercussions uh, throughout the course of the season. It can really set the tone because one and two sounds a lot different than two and one. And I know it's only a difference of one game, but that could be all the momentum in the world because I think we can all we can chalk up Eastern Kentucky to a win if there's if there's even remotely a problem there. There are bigger arcing issues at hand here. <laughs> so I, I still the Ole Miss game. I'm I'm not sure what you think. I, I I think I lean towards Ole Miss just because Lane Kiffin and his offense. I'm not sure that Louisville is quite equipped to handle a shootout of that magnitude right out of the gates. But then again, I could be wrong. We'll see. But once you get a couple games under your belt, if you drop, if you go one and one first two weeks, and you you're one and two head going forward after the first three four weeks of the season, you're starting to get shades of how 2020 panned out. Because a lot of people had high expectations. I, and myself included, even bought into the hype. A lot of people thought Louisville was a dark horse candidate to make it to the ACC championship game. And if you start to see the season unravel early on, like it did in 2020, and it start to not really full on snowball, but not garner the proper positive momentum needed, th- this could get ugly hurry. The, whole, the season as a whole, not just the game. So this is this is a huge game for Louisville because they not only need to look good they they need they need to win this game otherwise the rest of this well it also depends on what happens in the Ole Miss game if they that's sure. that's if right. they if they win fair. that game I think I don't want to say they can afford to lose the UCF game but it's still you'd still be going two and one but I, they they need to be heading into October with some sort of positive momentum behind them. And I think you have a better chance of beating UCF than Ole Miss because one, it's at home. Two, it I, I I I would probably place Ole Miss in their offense probably a step above UCF just just because of the oh, yeah. talent that they have too. Like I know UCF has Dylan Gabriel, and I and I'm a Dylan Gabriel believer. Believe me, I've seen him compete in a couple games. But I think in terms of totality of the offense, I think Ole Miss has a more well-rounded one. So. There is a lot more stakes in the UCF game than there is the Ole Miss game. So it's more winnable. So the pressure is going to be mounting there. Week three uh, is going to be extremely interesting, Brian. I know I, I'm sure 
uh, it's especially been this for us to hear the others. This is exactly why we're kind of doing this series to, to see what the narrative is, to see what the story is of a potential matchup that's bigger than just the matchup itself. Uh, there are a lot going on at Louisville, a lot going on at Central Florida. So it's been great to discuss the game. Uh, any closing thoughts, anything that uh, you want to leave Louisville fans with in terms of Central Florida this season? Uh, this is a great opportunity for a lot of teams to look at UCF and non-Power 5 schools as they're labeled and say, hey, these guys can play. Uh, when you go to the game or when you watch the game, take a look at how much speed UCF has on either side of the ball. You're not going to think of them when you leave the stadium as a non-Power 5 school athletically. I guarantee you that. They can run, and they have guys that can make plays. So just, I know there's a distinction there. Don't buy into that. That's why I watched the film, and it proves itself out. Because I'm like, holy cow, these guys got some speed on both sides, on both sides of the ball. So UCF has a ways to go in the secondary. I get that. But uh, overall, you will see guys flying around. And Dylan, as, as we've talked about several times, is going to make some plays. He's going to drive defense coordinators crazy. And he's the reason that UCF wins. You know, He makes the big pass. So it'll be a fun game, and I really look forward to it. It ought to be uh, quite the the game there. Week three, Louisville football, Central Florida. Big thank you to Brian Vinside the Knights for joining us on From the Pink Seats. You can check out his work, www.si.com slash college slash UCF. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at football scout underscore Florida. That's FB scout underscore Florida. Brian, I heard just a, a tad bit of the football analysis tonight. Um, <laughs> I, I can only imagine what, uh, what you provide on Twitter for your audience. So uh, we're looking forward to the game, man. Looking forward to following you leading up to the game. And uh, we'll chat after things go down in week three. All right, buddy. I appreciate it. It's uh, looking forward to the football game. We're right around the corner, man. Almost sure, there, there. That's right. That's right. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Have a great evening. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.